Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Listening to 106.7 The Fan. I'm Lonel Willingham here with you for one more hour here on this special Mother's Day edition of Overtime. And here to start hour two, we're going to switch gears a little bit because uh, I don't know if you guys heard. It was Saturday afternoon playoff hockey here in our nation's capital yesterday. A huge win for the Caps. They took a 2-1 series lead over the Florida Panthers yesterday. And to talk more about those Caps and that spirited Game 3 effort, Grant Paulson joins me on our BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter, beat the books, download the BetQL app. What's going on, GP? Thanks for making some time for me on this Mother's Day Sunday. Yeah, my pleasure, Linnell. I'll apologize in advance. I got a car full. We're on our way to a Mother's Day brunch. So if you hear someone that sounds like a kid talking that doesn't know how to be quiet while I'm on the radio, that's what's going to be happening. Well, we might got to give them some airtime because everyone knows you have the best you know, minor league scout in the business riding with you. Yeah, I got two scouting directors in the back seat. They've seen four minor league baseball games in the last week and a half. So you need a Brady House report. They got you covered. <laughs> All right, Grant, I'll start with this. You're one of the biggest Caps fans I know. You were fortunate enough to be in attendance yesterday at Cap One Arena for just a masterful performance from the home team. Describe that environment and atmosphere yesterday as the boys in red were just putting on an absolute clinic. Yeah, Linnell, it was the best vibes as a sports fan in D.C. that I've experienced since the pandemic, unequivocally, which means wow. back to the, the Nats World Series run, because it was a full house. You know, we've had experiences where you've been able to fill a ballpark at Nats Park late last summer or Capital One Arena, obviously, last year, but it wasn't quite the same. You know, D.C.'s obviously been extremely strict with some of their rules, um, so whether it was everyone having to be masked up or you got to show a Vax card to get in or whatever – um, I think people have been, for whatever reason, kind of, you know, trying to uh, get back to these games, but they haven't felt completely normal. And, and we are right now at our apex in terms of our return and the furthest we've been, you know, post-pandemic just as a country. So just walking into the arena yesterday, everybody rocking their red, smelled like popcorn. It was ice cold as it always is. <laughs> yes, sir. I had butterflies, man. It just felt awesome. And then the game itself delivered. It was the first home win for the Capitals by five goals where they hung six in a playoff game since they were uh, in round one against Carolina going back to 2019. And they've only done it a couple times dating back to like 2017. So it was a rare explosion. They played great. 
Now, the Panthers scored 337 goals this year, as you know, the number one offense of the salary cap era, the number one seed. Everyone kind of thought they were a buzzsaw and that the Caps drew a team that they wouldn't be able to hang with. And I'm not going to say that they're going to advance yet, but to be up two games to one through three with a chance to go up 3-1, a decisive edge at home on Monday night, tomorrow night in front of the home crowd, really, really a, a good place to be for them right now. Yeah, Grant, you mentioned it's going to be rocking in there uh, tomorrow night. And you mentioned, you know, the Panthers offensively. Grant, going into game three and really all season long, you know, there have been major inconsistencies in net for Washington. Ilya Samsonov gets the call for game three. And it wasn't a perfect start for Samsonov, you know, giving up a goal late in that first period. But it really seemed as if he settled down as the game progressed. Just go a little bit more into detail on his performance. And is that the type of goaltending the Caps are going to need? from him in order to try to steal away this series from the Cats. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Uh, the goal he allowed was bad, and it, frankly, it was the, I think it was the third shot of the game, actually, for Florida. And as you said, it was first period, and it was ominous. It was scary because it's a developing trend here. At that moment, if you go back to the first two games with Vitek Vanacek as well, where the Caps would tilt the ice and kind of dominate play and dictate terms, and they did everything right for 12 to 15 minutes in that first period, and you're looking up and you're down a goal. And it's so discouraging, and it really does uh, kind of prove detrimental at times, I think, psychologically for a team. If you go back into the dressing room and you just outplayed a team handily for 20 minutes, and now you're trailing on the scoreboard. So first and foremost, the biggest turning point, and the, the thing that changed the whole game yesterday, I thought, was when the final minute of the first period Alex Ovechkin got a shot off from the, the point, and it was redirected by T.J. Oshie. They tied the game on a power play, right as the power play started, and it got them even at one at the end of the period, sent them into the dressing room with momentum. But specific to Sammy, who you asked about, he was their best player on the ice in the second period, Linnell. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind, he, was, he dominated stretches of that game. He stood on his head when they were under attack early in the second and it was a huge confidence builder for him to the point where late in the second period, he was actually shoving members of Florida and skirm skirmishes in front of the crease. I mean, it was like it's he had kind of gone from a boy to a man in, in, a, in a stanza. Uh, they were chanting Sammy uh, at the arena. He really, I thought, benefited from the crowd getting behind him. You know, this crowd has been ravenous. This fan base has wanted one of these two guys. Doesn't matter who. Vanacek, who was better this year. Samsonov was kind of more gifted, more talented, but hasn't put it together and was more inconsistent to kind of just take flight. Someone helped this team out because they're a goalie away from really being dangerous. And you kind of saw that come to fruition, at least for a period in the second. He carried it over to the third, was really, really good. And then my favorite quote now after the game was, you know, he was asked about people chanting his name and he said he almost cried. Yeah, so, I love that, man. Don't tell me that players don't hear it. Don't tell me that that kind of thing doesn't benefit them. Like, he's heard all the rumblings, all the reports, all he's read the columns, you know, about how they can't win because of the goalie situation. And I really think the way the fans reacted yesterday really helped him out a lot. Yeah, it was a special performance. As I mentioned, our own Grant Paulson joining me right now on the best BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app. And, Grant, you mentioned it. It, it was only a matter of time before the grade eight got on the board in this series. Ovi scoring a power play goal in that third period to give Washington a 4-1 lead. And T.J. Oshie mentioned it in the postgame. You know, he said, if the big man's hitting, you better be hitting too. Ovechkin, you know, <laughs> making his impact in more ways than just putting the puck in the net. Explain his impact on this series despite just having one goal to this point. Well, yeah, the goal was obviously huge because it came in the third period and was kind of the, the game ender, the icing on the cake on the power play. Great feed from Connor Sherry. 
cross ice. Uh, Bob Brosky's coming over to make a save, and Ovi blasted 100 miles an hour off his stick. But Ovechkin in this series has been uh, instrumental defensively, first and foremost. Go back to game one, the poke check at the blue line that set up a, a breakaway, one-on-none for Evgeny Kuznetsov to tie the game at two games, uh, two goals apiece. So that doesn't happen. They're probably down one game to nothing going into game two where they got slaughtered, and they're down in the series right now. So to me, that, that was the kind of the critical moment that you saw, but he's had some big defensive moments. And then physically, as you said, first period yesterday, he was hitting anything that moved. I mean, he <laughs> really? was just throwing his body around, dude. It was ultra impressive. It's really, to me, why he's so special. Like, there are other guys that are every bit as gifted offensively that do some really good things. Sidney Crosby creating for his teammates as a playmaker. But there's no one who scores goals like Ovi, first and foremost. And there's no one offensively who provides as much as he does who can also be such a dominating figure in that area of the game where when he starts running around like he was, I mean, these speedsters from Florida are looking over their shoulder wondering where he's at, and they're afraid to go into the corner to dig out bucks because he's lining them up, man. So he really did bring it. I thought he set a tone at the, the first few shifts of the game. It was pretty clear the Caps came out to play heavier than a than a 18-wheeler, and, and he was kind of at the lead. I thought he was the tip of the spear of that. Yeah, and uh, TJ Oshie mentioned in his postgame comments just about you know how that physical play gets the guys going. And, Grant, I'll get you out of here with this. You made waves Friday afternoon during your show, uh, Grant and Danny, which you can catch weekdays 2 to 6.30 right here on the fan and the Odyssey app. You gave an update on Caps right winger Tom Wilson after he suffered a lower body injury in game one. If you don't mind sharing that update with our listeners again and then give us a latest on what you're hearing about his status following game three. Yeah, I'm picky about using the word report as a guy who used to be a reporter and now just you know sits my fat butt in the radio station and talks for four and a half hours. But I'll say that, yeah, I've heard rumblings from several different people that the injury for Willie is not this kind of hour-to-hour, day-to-day thing that we were all hoping it is in the sense that I've heard it's a knee injury he's dealing with, and my hope is that we'll see him again in the playoffs, but I'll be really surprised if we see him in this series. Now, I was told that he's going to keep lobbying, and supposedly he wants to try to maybe wear some kind of protective gear and brace up and try to skate on it and play. As you can imagine, a tough guy like him, a hockey player in the playoffs. But uh, I was told, and this was obviously right after game one, that the expectation was, you know, the hope was that they could go on a run and maybe at some point he could get back to help them out down the road. But I mean, that's kind of where they're at at this point from what I was told. It is a knee injury that he's dealing with, and it's not something where – even though we're all speculating and wondering every time they take the ice for practice, is Willie going to be out there? Is this the day? The sense I get is that's not really what's going on, that it could be a little while. So not ideal at all. Really, when it happened and when I heard that, frankly, I was doom and gloom. I was in the dumps as a Caps fan because he is an integral piece to the puzzle, bro. I mean, Linnell, you know this. Like We're talking about a power forward with Ovi who throws his body around and uses his size, I mean, when Wilson's ability to skate with his physicality, as good as he was offensively for this team, uh, he plays the power play. Unlike Ovi, he's huge on the penalty kill. He's critical at even strength. So there's not a, an area of the game where he doesn't send ripple effects. So when I heard that, I thought, you know, they were really in a bad way. But they have, if, if you really count the first game where he they played over 55 minutes without him, albeit after his goal early in the opening right. minutes, they basically played three games without him and they've won two of them. So... First of all, kudos to them. That's pretty incredible. They've got guys like Anthony Manta, Connor Sherry stepping up. I love what the fourth line did getting back together. I think they found something by getting you know the fourth line together, maybe moving Oshie up to the top line. I want to see those same lines again 
in game four. But uh, the, the, the word on Willie, at least from what I've heard, is while he's going to try his best to come back at some point, I'm not expecting to see him play against Florida. And I don't even know what would happen next round, to be honest with you, but I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, definitely we'll have to. As you mentioned, Caps back on the ice tomorrow night from Cap 1 Arena for Game 4. They're up two games to one against the Florida Panthers. Grant, I appreciate you getting us up to speed with the latest on the Caps, and go enjoy that brunch, my man. My pleasure. Thank you, buddy. Keep crushing it. Good hearing you, man. Yes, sir. That's Grant Paulson joining us on our BetQL guest hotline, getting us up to speed with the latest on your Washington Capitals. And coming up in our next segment, we'll take your calls on the Caps. Do you think that this team has the ability to make it out of this first-round series against this Panthers team that was just playing historic hockey offensively? Grant touched on it in the interview. What do you think? Give me a call on the MGM National Harbor listener lines, 1-800-636-1067. We'll take some more of your Caps calls. But right now, next, I'll give you my NFC East power rankings, post-draft and post-free agency. We talked to Sam Fortier about that in the last hour. So tell me what you think. Give me your NFC East power rankings, one through four, post-draft and post-free agency. You can also call and talk to me about the Caps and their huge Game 3 victory. I'm Linnell Willingham here on this overtime edition, Mother's Day edition here on 106.7 The Fan. We're also streaming live on the Odyssey app. You all appreciate it. When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old, kicked out on the streets. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama. You hear the music. Mother's Day edition of Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. I'm Lanelle Willingham with you for about the next 40 minutes. I'll take you up to 2 o'clock where Byron Kerr will sit in his seat. And he'll take you up to 335 with Nats on deck, Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler. Getting you set for Nationals Angels. And we talked to Grant Paulson in the last segment about the Caps and their huge Game 3 win yesterday. Went open up the MGM National Harbor Lister Lines to get your thoughts on yesterday's game between the Caps and Panthers. Caps now with a 2-1 series lead. Heard Grant mention and Alex Ovechkin, you know, getting in net, lighting the lamp for the first time in this series and you know, Grant alluded to it, just the impact that Ovechkin has had on this series, despite, you know, him only having one goal in, in the, the physical, you know, nature that he's playing with right now and how much he's elevating the play of his teammates is special. Uh, we also talked some NFL in that first hour. Sam Fortier of the Washington Post joined us to give the latest on Washington Commanders rookie minicamp. We got his opinion on the you know power rankings in the NFC East, ranked them one through four now that we've had the draft and free agency come by. We'll take some of your calls. Continue to let me know what you think about the commander's offseason as a whole. What's your grade for them? And then rank the NFC East for me one through four. Continue to tap in with me on the MGM National Harbor Listener Lines, 1-800-636-1067. Let's go to Mark and Landover Hills. What you got, Mark? Pleasure to talk to you, Linnell. Good to hear you, my friend. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Pleasure to talk to you as and well. I want to compliment you on your job. And also, Linnell, I haven't had my phone, so I haven't had a chance to, and I haven't called in about three months. And I wanted to say that the first time they had you on there when you teamed, I can't remember exactly where it was, it was Ben or who it was, or 
one of the guys, man, you did an excellent job, and I think that's why they put you back on the air, man. People like your demeanor and your laid-back attitude and the way you conduct yourself on the radio, buddy, and I'd like to compliment you on it. I think you're a good addition and a good substitute, man. I appreciate you, Mark. Man, hopefully I can get some more shots at it. What you think, though, buddy? Give me a grade think, on the Washington Commanders offseason. I think so far, Lanell, I've got to be honest with you, buddy. I think that they, I'd have to give them – a B and okay. damn near a B plus, man. I gotta say it, man. So far, talk to me. What do you think? Why? Why the B grade? And what was your favorite move so far? You know, of this off season. Well, I don't think they killed in the draft, but I would have gave them a B in the draft, man. I don't think their draft was that bad. I think they did pretty well overall, considering the type of draft that it was. I think they could have done better, but I don't see where they really hurt themselves, and they didn't do anything really dumb or waste any money or anything like that, I don't think, Linnell. I think sometimes conservatism is a good thing in sports. Definitely, definitely. And, and Mark, I talked, ab- talked about it and touched on it a little bit. What type of impact do you think Carson Wentz can have on this football team? Because I think he is exactly what the, doctors, what the doctor ordered for the Washington Commanders. Well, Linnell, like Mark Twain used to say, or Samuel Clements, <laughs> the predictions are hard to make, especially when they concern the future. But I will say this much, yeah. Linnell, that if we can revisit Pennsylvania, look out NFCS, NFC East, and anybody else, including Bratso, Aaron Rodgers, buddy, because if he can play like he played that year, they were calling it Pennsylvania for the Washington Redskins. <laughs> you, they better be right, buddy, because he's going to bring it. The Redskins will bring it hard. But I think this year, Linnell, since we're talking about the Redskins, I got to say this, buddy, and me being old school, I got to admit this, Let man. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. Hey, man. You win with defense, my friend. And I say that, yes, Ron is under the, under the microscope, but, man, every year is different, Linnell. If their defense can play half as good as they're supposed to, man, I think they got a chance to make the playoffs, buddy. I got to be honest. Yeah, I because, agree with you, Mark, and I appreciate your call, buddy. Yeah, Mark, Mark touched on it. And and I'm kind of I agree with the, with the philosophy and mentality that Ron and company, you know, are trying to move forward with. And I think the biggest misconception when people talk about that ball control, playing good defense, winning game 17-14, it's more about controlling the time of possession. And I think the thing that you know Washington was able to show in that four game winning streak is when they're able to control the clock and time of possession, you know, things tend to go well for them. But I think what Carson Wentz could add is help with the red zone issues that Washington had. You know, when you're a 6'5", 230-pound quarterback and you've got a whip for an arm like Carson Wentz does, it really helps you down in the red zone when things get tighter and you're forced to make some of these tight window throws. And like I said, I'll continue to take you guys' call here for the rest of the show. MGM National Harbor listener lines wide open, 1-800-636-1067. And when you call in, it's Mother's Day edition, you know, here on Overtime Give a little shout-out to a mom in your life that you love. Let's go to Dave and Herndon. What you got, buddy? Hey, man, good afternoon. Um, yeah, I wanted to circle back on the Wentz stuff. Like, I'm kind of getting tired about – I'm not a Wentz defender. I think he is a stopgap for sure and okay. an average one at that. But just listen to the different shows on, on the station and listening to different callers. The people are sort of positioning this, positioning this like – like Wentz was our like you know going into the season he was our top choice. We were swinging and missing you know the um, you know the Wilsons of the world were never going to come here and I honestly don't think we're going to be in the market for a top you know a level A free agent quarterback until 
people see externally that this franchise has stabilized a bit. We're just not going to get the, you know, the, the cream of, of the crop. So I agree with that. It was either Wentz, it was either Wentz or, or, you know, get Wentz or go in with Heineke next year. And do you, I mean, we all love the guy, but do you really want that? And also considering this was a weak draft and you can never count on, you know, getting your guy at whatever spot. So Wentz was the best of a bad, you know, best of a, a many bad options. And, you know, let's see what he does. Thanks, man. Hey, I appreciate the call, Dave. And, and I, I'm going to echo some of the sentiments of Dave. I completely agree with the notion that Washington isn't going to be able to attract and bring in marquee free agents and high-quality, you know, high-caliber guys at the quarterback position. And like Dave said, until they're able to prove to the outside world that this isn't a clown show <laughs> being run in Ashburn. I mean, it's well-documented, you know, the, the laundry list of accusations against the owner, Dan Snyder, and, you know, examples of impropriety and, and things like that. It just, it's just it's been a train wreck. But what I think Carson Wentz has the ability to provide this franchise is stability at the quarterback position. You know, something, and I mentioned in, in, in the first hour, something this team just simply hasn't had, quite frankly. I mean, let's be honest. I, I, am, I, I was as big of a Taylor Heineke supporter, you know, as there was in this market. I got crapped on for it. People thought I was an idiot. I self-proclaimed myself the leader of the Heineke Hive, and it was for good reason. Because on first blush, when we saw him in that postseason game against Tampa Bay, it was like lightning in a bottle. It was like something we had never seen before. And to just get to the postseason in a COVID-stricken you know, stricken season, Ron Rivera and company's first year you know, here in Washington, it was special. But last year, over you know, his 16 starts or 15 starts, you know, one of the two, it, it became very apparent that he lacked a lot of the physical tools that it takes to be a starting quarterback in the in this NFL. And I think Washington, you know, Ron Rivera and company knew that going in, which is why Ryan Fitzpatrick was brought in initially to be that stabling force at the quarterback position. But, you know, circling back to this year and this offseason and what they were able to do, some of the callers alluded to it earlier. Everyone wants them to go out, go out and take the big swing and try to get guys like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr. When in reality, you know, Russell Wilson was the only one of, of the veteran guys that was probably available for you to, you know, come in and actually have a shot to come here. And Russell Wilson wasn't coming here. He had the choice to choose between the Denver Broncos, another storied franchise. You know, what Washington loves to do is you know, harp and boast about the tradition and legacy of this organization. Well, the Denver Broncos, they have the same thing. And they're not a clown show, right? So stability. He, Russell Wilson would have provided the same stability that I think Carson Wentz is going to provide here. But as the callers alluded to, we're not going to be able to attract any of these big fish until we handle our business in-house. But I don't think in the same breath, I'm going to say this. I don't think Carson Wentz was a bad consolation prize. I just don't. You're not going to sell me on that. 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I know a lot of people like to say it goes deeper, you know, than the statistics, right? And everybody wants to put their beat reporter hat on and pretend like they're in the locker room and that they're the number one Colts beat reporter in the area. 
we don't know exactly what led to Carson Wentz's departure from Indianapolis. But I'll say this. The Colts, the Colts share a brunt of the blame in this as well, right? Chris Ballard has tried the same giddy-up dance going with the retread veteran at quarterback. In 2020, it was Phillip Rivers. Yes, he led them to an 11-5 and record. Yes, he got them to the playoffs. But what do they do in the postseason? Phillip Rivers threw double-digit interceptions in 2020. Only And Carson Wentz threw more touchdowns than him in 2021. So what was the real issue in Indianapolis? Is it the quarterback position or is it the roster around the quarterback? Because when you take a look at Washington's and their supporting cast offensively compared to what Carson Wentz had in Indianapolis and even Philadelphia, it's night and day. And I know we haven't seen this group on the field yet together as a whole and everything that we're talking about in the evaluations and projections that we're making. It's based off what we see on paper. But like I said, on paper, and James Palmer of the NFL Network alluded to it, on paper, Carson Wentz hasn't played with a wide receiver as dynamic as Terry McLaurin. He hasn't played with a track team offensively. And that's what Washington has the chance to deploy. Talking about the combination of Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, the rookie first-round pick, Jahan Dotson. You potentially bring Logan Thomas back into the fold when he's healthy. There are weapons here offensively. You got a three-headed monster in the backfield between Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, and J.D. McKissick. They significantly improved the depth along the offensive line, bringing in guys like Trey Turner, signing Andrew Norwell. You re-signed Cornelius Lucas, who played good football for you a year ago. You drafted Chris Paul, the kid out of Tulsa. There are some good things that Washington did in this offseason that are going to help Carson Wentz be a better quarterback than he was the last two seasons. And we'll continue to take your calls here. Tap in with me on the MGM National Harbor listener line, 1-800-636-1067. When we get back, I'll tell you the most important move the commanders made this offseason. Plus, I'll get into some of Chris Ballard's comments and why the hell he is so obsessed with Carson Wentz. This is Linnell Willingham here with you on this Mother's Day edition of Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. We're also streaming live on the Odyssey app. Welcome back. Mother's Day edition of Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. Got about two segments left with you. Here with you for the next 20 minutes. It's been a jam-packed show. We had Grant Paulson join us at the top of this hour to give the latest on the Caps and their big game three win over the Florida Panthers. Gave us an update on Tommy Wilson and his status for the rest of this series as well. So if you want to go back and use the Odyssey Rewind feature to check out my chat with Grant, go ahead and do that. In the first hour, I was joined by Sam Fortier, Washington Commanders beat writer, for the Washington Post, he had a lot to say. He was at rookie minicamp Friday, getting a first look at the young pups on the field for the Washington Commanders. A little plug for Sam. You can go check out his story on the Washington Post about Percy Butler and how Washington plans to deploy him You know, in their defense. 
I posed the question at the beginning of the show that I've still got up here for you guys. If you want to tap in with me on our MGM National Harbor listener lines. And now that the dust has settled from a player acquisition standpoint, and I know there's still the potential and possibility of them making, you know, an acquisition or two, you know, later on in this second wave of free agency, as Sam mentioned in our interview, you know, last May, Charles Leno's surprise cut from the Chicago Bears is now the starting left tackle here in Washington. So I know it's still a possibility that you can add, you know, a key veteran piece here or there. But after the draft and free agency, you know, they're both in our rearview mirrors. It's happened. It's came and gone. What's your overall assessment of this offseason for the Washington Commanders? You know, I gave you what I thought, and I'll, you know, you know, recap my sentiments right here. Overall, I think it was a successful offseason. Quarterback was obviously the biggest position of need and what they needed to address. They did that. They improved the depth along this offensive line. They went out and got some weapons for Carson Wentz in the form of Jahan Dotson, you know, in the fourth round pick, Cole Turner, you know, as well as the running back, Brian Robinson Jr. But I teased going into this last break that I'd give you my NFC East power rankings post-draft and post-free agency. We heard from Sam Fortier on that piece as well. And I'll go around the room here. Our producers in studio, Jeff Walker, and our new guy, Denton here is with us as well. I'll start off here, gentlemen, with this. I'll go from four all the way up to one. Now, in fourth place, it's obvious, in my opinion. It's obvious who the bottom feeders of this division are. The New York Giants are completely hitting the reset button. Once again. And it's interesting because when you hire a new head coach and general manager, as the Giants did, you know, bringing in Joe Schoen and uh, Brian Dable into the fold, you normally let your new guys get the opportunity to choose a new signal caller at the quarterback position, right? And they didn't do that. The owner, Dan, uh, uh, Dan Snyder style, John Mara comes out and says, oh, no, Daniel Jones will be our starter week one. And it shocked a lot of people. And it's really the big reason as to why I give them fourth right now. I rank them fourth right now in the NFC East. And I'll let you guys, uh, Denton and Jeff, get in on this as well. They brought in Tyrod Taylor to be the backup, which was very eye-opening for me. And if you guys you know, are football nerds like me, you understand Tyrod Taylor has been around the block before. You know, He's had some unfortunate injury situations, but he is a calming presence at the quarterback position and he's worked with Brian Dable in the past so this was their version of bringing in their guy in my opinion I there's no chance in hell that Daniel Jones starts all 17 games for the Giants hell I wouldn't even think it's a stretch to say that he doesn't start week one depending on how this offseason looks and what they're able to get from Tyrod Taylor so the Giants come in fourth for me in third place I'm going to shock some people here in third place I think the Dallas Cowboys are third right now in the NFC. So hear me out before you try to attack me here. You can tap in with me. Let me know what you think. MGM National Harbor Listener Lines, 1-800-636-1067. I have the Dallas Cowboys ranked in third place, and here's why. Last year, they went out sad, in my opinion, to the 49ers in the postseason. They got punked up front. Let's be straight up. The 49ers ran the ball right at them, and there was nothing they could do. They got beat in the trenches. And it's just all around, it wasn't 
wasn't a good season for Dallas. They underachieved by, you know, by many people's standards. Let me just read off to you some of their transactions from this offseason. Amari Cooper, their number one wide receiver, arguably the best player on that offense outside of Dak Prescott, traded away to the Cleveland Browns for two ho-hos and a pack of Starbursts. For nothing. They traded a six-round pick. Now, just to compare just how bad they got hosed in this trade, on draft night, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, obviously he's not as decorated of a receiver as Amari Cooper, gets traded from the Baltimore Ravens to the Arizona Cardinals for a first-round pick. And you're telling me the Dallas Cowboys can only net a six for Amari Cooper? Arguably one of the best receivers in football? A vet who's been around the block before? It's moves like that that make me think, okay, you're not serious about winning. So you'll end up third in this division. They cut Lael Collins. They replace him with the kid from Tulsa. He's teammates with the guy we drafted, Chris Paul. 16 holding penalties and 12 starts last year for the, Dallas, for the new Dallas Cowboys starting right tackle. I believe his name's Tyler Smith. You, you lost Connor Williams up front, so you're replacing two starters right now on your offensive line. You got buzzsawed in free agency. Randy Gregory pulled the okey-doke on you and decides he's going to sign in Denver with the Broncos. Wants to go win games. I don't blame the guy. Go win games. Go be a part of a stable franchise, right? So I don't blame him for that. Michael Gallup gets signed to a monstrous deal coming off of ACL surgery, which was just arguably, in my opinion, that's probably the stupidest move of the offseason was extending Michael Gallup after he's coming off ACL surgery. So now heading in to this season for Dallas, no no C.D. Lamb, I mean, no Amari Cooper, no Michael Gallup. You're two leading receivers from last year, along along with C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb had the dropsies last year. Wasn't consistent, proving that he could not be a number one wide receiver. So there are clear issues for Dallas personnel-wise on both sides of the ball. I hit on defense a little bit with the Randy Gregory departure. They lose DeMonte Casey, who played a lot of snaps for them last year, that safety linebacker hybrid position. So for me with Dallas, it's just like you've lost a lot. You haven't gotten better. It's easy for me to put them in third place because they haven't gotten better. Now, in second place, go easy on me here now, Commanders fans. I think Washington has firmly entrenched themselves as the second-best team in this division. Last year, you almost crawled into the playoffs once again with just horrendous quarterback play from Taylor Heineke. You had a COVID outbreak during a key stretch of your season. Uh, You were defensively much maligned. Chase Young goes out, misses misses, pretty much the entire season. Half the season. You got better, though. You added Carson Wentz at the quarterback position. They draft this kid, Percy Butler, who I think is going to be an absolute star here in Washington, and you guys are going to be very you know, happy with what you get from this young man. Like I mentioned, they added the depth up front, signing Trey Turner, Andrew Norwell at the guard spots. You re-signed Corn Lucas. But I think the reason I'm putting them second is the quarterback position. Not saying that Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott, because I'd be foolish to say that. But I think the supporting cast around him is better than what they've got in Dallas. 
It's better than what if damn sure better than what they've got in New York. And my first place team here, obviously, is the Philadelphia Eagles. Howie Roseman doing yeoman's work from from the general manager spot, bringing in AJ Brown on that draft night trade. You draft Jordan Davis. You rework Fletcher Cox's deal. They sign Hassan Reddick. Their front seven is not to be messed with. They also drafted N'Kobe Dean in the third round, which in most people's eyes was the best value pick of this entire draft. So I think the Philadelphia Eagles are the clear-cut number one team in the NFC East. But this is the last, this is the last go-around for Jalen Hurts. This, this is it. This, this is his prove year. Howie Roseman and company have done everything possible they could to surround him with weapons to be successful. Now, my producer's looking at me crazy here because we got to go to break. Got one last segment with you. I see you two guys still on the line. I'll get to you here on the MGM National Harbor Listener Lines. Answer my question for me, though. NFC East power rankings post-draft and post-free agency. And you could touch on the first question, you know, from the first segment. What is your overall grade for this Washington Commanders offseason now, now that the draft and free agency has passed? I'm Lonell Willingham here with you on this Mother's Day edition of Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. We're also streaming live on the Odyssey app. Lonell Willingham back with you on this special Mother's Day edition of Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. Been with you since 12 o'clock. was a jam-packed show. We had Sam Fortier in the first hour talking commanders as he was at rookie minicamp on Friday. Grant Paulson joined me at 1 o'clock to talk capitals. If you want to hear any of those interviews, you can go back. Listen on the Odyssey app using the Odyssey Rewind feature. We've got two calls here on the line. I'll take them quick before we got to get out of here. Let's go to Lou in D.C. What's going on, Lou? Big L, what it do, man? What's going on, babe? How you doing? Not a whole lot, man. Shout out to all the mothers out there. Happy Mother's Day. Yes. Out Thank the way. you. Somebody finally did it. I, I I gave people the option to do this, Lou. <laughs> Let's, we got yeah, to yeah, make yeah. it quick here, though. I got to get out of here. What you think? Yeah. Um... You know, overall, I, I have to say C minus. Just the simple fact that okay. I think I would have gave it to them like a B or, or, or B plus if we would have just went on and drafted a D tackle from Georgia. Just the simple <laughs> fact that because you lost two stud on that D line and, and you don't know what the situation was with uh, Deron. So I just, yeah, that's what I wanted to say, man. I just give them C minus. I mean, D. D minus, what is it? D plus or D minus? Whatever I just said. So, yeah, man. Appreciate thank you. 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 Thank Yes, but indeed. two things. I think it's a C for the the draft. Like if they would have got one of the number one wide receivers that had some height, I would have said good. If they would have gotten a linebacker somewhere in that draft, I would have I would have said good. As far as your lineup goes, you have to flip Washington and Dallas. There's a player that got undrafted from FAM, Florida A and M. His name mm-hmm. is Marquise Bell. He is a Steve. He is a um, Sean Taylor esque. I'm familiar player. with him. He's going to make a big impact for Dallas. He's going to make a big impact. Definitely. I appreciate your call, Mike. Let me go. All right. Well, there you have it. C minus from Lou. Miko doesn't like the draft because he didn't get the big time receiver, which I argue we did. Jahan Dotson, as I've mentioned the last two weekends, a hell of a player. 
Well, that's going to do it for us here on this Mother's Day edition of Overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. It's been a treat to bless these airwaves once again here on another Sunday. Byron Kerr is next, leading you up to Nats on deck. I'm out! This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.